family. Why don't we uh, stand and worship together? I, I bet you know how to bang out a, a tax return, don't you? <laughs> Boom, bam, bang them out. Just send them to him. He can do it. <laughs> Anyways, good to see you guys this morning. All of you that showed up, boy, we've been hit hard by COVID. Uh, we have uh, a number that uh, are experiencing it right now. want to continue to pray for each other. Uh, we are... Delighted to see Casey with us this morning, who has been in the hospital with COVID, and the Lord has just wonderfully restored her back to be able to be with us, and so we want to welcome you back among us, and I know your family is glad as well. 
I want to welcome those of you that are guests today. If we have any guests, uh, we're glad you're here. There's a uh, communication guide right there in front of you in the pews. And if you take just a moment, fill that out, and then place it in the offering plate. Uh, no, we don't pass the offering plate. In the basket, as you leave this morning, we'd love an opportunity to get to know you and to say hi to you. Uh, we, we, I see we have a special guest over here. Cat in the Hat is over here. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. All right. Very good. We might need to get a special one for Cat in the Hat. Sweet. I'm embarrassing you, aren't I? No, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, uh, my wife is uh, currently reading a book about, uh, about how to be devoted to the church. And uh, in, in the uh, first part of the book, uh, the author goes into great detail to give us a, a more Christ-centered, uh, biblical-centered uh, point of view of the church. And you, you and I are reminded that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And in this, the author is reminding us that everything that's going on around out in the world, uh, politics, cultural changes, uh, even, even the weather, is ultimately designed to grow the church. And I don't know if you think like that. I know I don't naturally think like that. But the reality is... Jesus Christ came and said, upon this rock I will build my church. He did not promise to build kingdoms. He didn't promise to bring different or better cultures. He promised to build his church. And you and I are part of not only the best thing going, but the reality is the only thing going. Everything is focused in on the building of the kingdom of God. And so I want to read from uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, a word of encouragement to you. So he says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And he's talking about God's people. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations, here we go, and the nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So you and I need to get a new center. It's not a new center. Christ is the center. But we need to get centered rightly with Christ and understand that instead of being totally frustrated and angry and upset with all that may be going on around you, that God is at work ultimately to build his kingdom, you and I must share him. Let's bow together in prayer. And so, Father, we are, we are encouraged. Our hearts are, are lifted up to the truth and the reality that Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Or all of history is your story. Everything that's going on in this world ultimately has its purpose in building the kingdom of God. And you have promised us that you will cause all things to work together for good to those who, are, who love you and who are called according to your purpose. And so there is a Christ exaltation that happens through your church. So we ask you to build your church, to grow your church, uh, not only here on the Eastern Shore, but literally around the world so that the nations will come to the light of Christ. And Lord, we give you thanks for this Christ-centered reality. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let me just say a quick word. Wednesday night, we will not be meeting. Uh, our plan is to go back to Sunday school next Sunday morning. And uh, we'll let you know if that's different. We have an elder meeting on Tuesday. 
but uh, just to kind of let you know, we said we'd take these two Sundays off, and I'm glad that you have chosen to be here. Would you stand with me, and let's continue in worship through song.
before we change ourselves, but that we come to God and he changes us. It is only by his goodness, his grace that we can do that.
Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Amen. It's good to see the Foley's here this morning. I know that uh, Hope and Ivy are not able to be here, especially because of COVID. But it's good to have you back. Now, my hair's turned gray since you've been gone. Yours looks the same. Because it was shaved when you left here. And so, <laughs> I'm assuming by the beard, you're more like me now. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, we are glad that uh, you guys have come this morning and pray that when you leave, you will have been glad to be in the house of the Lord. We're talking about our union with Christ. It is a doctrine in Scripture that uh, is rarely talked about. Uh, when we covered it in our men's group uh, months ago, uh, it was said, I don't know that I've heard any preaching on uh, our union with Christ. And so we're taking several weeks on Sunday morning to uh, talk about some aspects of it. We just introduced it last week to, uh, to look at being in Him. Uh, we discovered that more than 90 times in the Scripture, it talks about us being in Christ. We're in the center of Christ through faith in Him. Uh, if you add in Jesus, if you add uh, some other uh, terms that are used, it's, it's well over a hundred uh, different times that this truth is brought home to us. And uh, there are many different passages of Scripture that teach it. But before we took another step, I thought, is it necessary that I say this? But uh, I think... It is essential that we know the truth of how do we get into Christ. So the title of the message is getting into Christ, getting into him. So if you and I are in union with him uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, how does one get into Christ? Uh, and this kind of helps you and I to understand how it is maintained as well. And so uh, a passage of scripture to help us to do that is found in Philippians chapter 3 because Paul is going to talk about how he came to be in Christ there are many different places he tells his testimony his story uh, this one uh, is another it's quite unusual in the way that he presents it but I want to begin reading uh, in verse 1 and understand uh, he's writing here out of controversy there's a conflict going on in so uh, verse 1 of Philippians 3 says, And finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. You can kind of understand what group he's talking about here for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh and now he begins his story though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh I have more and then he begins to delineate it. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them, he says, as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Here's our term. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Would you join me again in prayer? For Lord, every time we come to Holy Scripture, we recognize that you are the revealer of truth. Uh, flesh and blood, uh, great, great learning, Great abilities to read and comprehend are not what gives us insight into what you say, but it is our teacher, the Holy Spirit. And so we ask you to lead us this morning into all truth that Christ may be at the center of our lives, that we may be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, but that one that comes by faith. Through Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take just a minute and review just a couple of things that we looked at last week. Last week we were in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And in Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul was writing to that church that he spent a lot of time with, a church that he loved very dearly, he writes back to them and he tells them at the beginning some blessings they have. And I just want to recount those. So you and I can remember some blessings that we have in Christ. Now, my plan is to preach another message on multiple blessings that we have in Christ because we are in Him. But, but notice what it says in verse 4. It, it says in Ephesians 1, 4, Even as He chose us in Him, and the Him there is Christ, He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. If that is not a blessed truth, if that is not a truth that should give you such confidence and assurance, uh, I, I think you don't understand what it's saying there or you're not in Christ. Because to be in Christ is to come to understand that my salvation is so secure, it was settled not for me July 29th, 1971. I came to experience it, calling upon the name of the Lord, being graced by God, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, placing faith alone in Christ alone. I came to experience it. But the truth of Scripture is, it was settled in eternity past. And if it's settled in eternity past, guess what? God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who does not change, it's settled where? in the future okay be encouraged by that take this truth to be your own because God's Word declares it and being in Christ Jesus promises us what he has begun in us he is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ so verse 6 he gives us another blessing and, and it says that in the English version here, it says, He has blessed us in the beloved. And, and let me remind you that uh, the, the word in the original uh, text of Scripture uh, is the verb grace. It's the verb for grace. He graced us. So when we talk about being blessed, what are we talking about? We're talking about being graced. So uh, when we talk about grace, what are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, uh, every once in a while uh, someone will, uh, uh, well, it used to happen in, in the previous church I was at. Uh, a kid would come up and pull my hair. I don't know why they would do that. And they would say, is that real? That was always fun, you know, pull the preacher's hair and then ask him, is it real? And then somebody would say, well, you are blessed at your age to still have your hair. Okay? Well, it's genetics. Okay? It's not, it's, I'm not blessed. 
But I am graced to be loved by Jesus Christ with an everlasting love. That is what we're talking about. When we talk about being blessed here, we're talking about being graced by Jesus Christ. There's something about this union that we have with Christ where we experience grace upon grace. You and I occasionally will get a rebellious wild march hare in us. And God will say, this is what I want you to do. This is, this is what I want you to say. And every once in a while, we'll, like sheep, go astray. We'll turn everyone to his own way. And you know what we will meet? Now, you could say, well, you'll meet the disciplining hand of the Lord. Yeah, you will. If you are in Christ, you'll meet it. But guess what that is? Grace. It's grace that says, I'm going to let you go so far, but that's, that's as far as you're going. I'm stopping you. I, I am not gonna, I'm not going to allow you to go any further. And so uh, when he talks about we are blessed in the blood, we're graced in him. And then verse 7 he says uh, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. And all this comes according to the greatness, the riches of his grace. So uh, when we talk about being in Christ, we are redeemed, we're bought back, we're His, and we have the forgiveness of all of our sins by being in Christ. Are you forgiven? Right now. Are you totally and absolutely forgiven? If you're in Christ, what's the answer? Yes, absolutely. Is it bragging? Mm. Not bragging on me, not bragging on yourself, but who's it bragging on? Christ. You are in Christ, and through that union that you have with Christ, you have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You were once dead, now you've been brought back to life. Then uh, lastly, in verse 13 of Ephesians 1, I would just want to mention uh, that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of promise. You are... Um, you are his he's come to live inside of you uh, notice in verse 13 again it says and you believed in him so you are in Christ and when you are in Christ you are sealed with the Holy Spirit so there is a security forever that is promised you it was Charles Spurgeon who made the statement about our union with Christ. He said, there is no joy in this world like union with Christ. And when your, your joy level gets low, I don't know if you ever, you know, most of us don't check the uh, oil level in our vehicles anymore. We pull up and let somebody else do it. But in the old days, you know, we'd go get the, uh, a rag and we would take the dipstick which is a uh, pejorative word for certain people. They're just dipsticks. I'm not sure where they get that from. But anyway, you pull, you, you, you pull out the dipstick and what do you look to see? How much you've got? Is it full? And how about our joy? If, if you had a joy dipstick, what would it be like? Are, are there some times that your joy is a little bit on the low side? And, and uh, Spurgeon is relating to that. He says, if you want that joy to be full, contemplate, think about, meditate on the fact that you are in Christ if you have been born again of the Spirit of God. And John Piper put it this way. There is no saving good, no eternal good, no God-exalting good, no soul-satisfying good that comes to us except as we are connected to Christ. You see, he, what he's saying is Christ is our life, is the way Paul put it. Christ is our life. So uh, let's try to answer that question before we leave this morning is, how did Paul get into him? How did Paul get into Christ? Well, notice from in verses 4 through 8 of Philippians 3, he had no confidence in the flesh. He had to come to the place when he understood his spiritual standing before the Lord. Now, he, he says a lot of things. He says, if any man has reason to have confidence in the flesh, who does? Paul. 
Because concerning the things that, that we say, here are the standards that men must achieve in order to be a, a spiritually good person, uh, I've done them all. He, he goes through a, a whole list of, of uh, spiritual activities that uh, you had to go through in order to be a good Hebrew, a good Jew, a good Pharisee. A, a Pharisee among the Pharisees, he said. Uh, regarding the law, as far as everybody could see, Paul considered himself blameless. Now back in Romans chapter 5, we're reminded that uh, between the time of Adam and Moses, there was no law. And uh, because there was no law, there was no awareness that we've broken the law. If there's not a law to break, then you don't know you've broken the law. And yet he goes on to say, but death reigned from Adam to Moses. In other words, the consequences of sin were there, while there may not have been the reality of all of our sin. <clears throat> but the truth is, you and I are without excuse, Right? I mean, we know what the law says. We know what the Ten Commandments say. Uh, we were having this discussion uh, about uh, uh, our hearts the other day when we were talking about out here on Highway 31. I don't know if you've noticed, they're, they're working on the highway out here. I'm not sure what year we're on, but they're working on the highway. And uh, since they started working on the highway, there have been speed limit signs up there. And they're always the same. But how many people go the speed limit? Uh, I, got one, I got one hand that went up. And Cat in the Hat raised his hand. Okay, Cat in the Hat, thank you. All right. So uh, we, we just... But do I confess my sin to you? It's not required, but I have to confess that typically because the traffic's flowing so fast, I put my cruise control on 38. Now that's 8 miles an hour over the speed limit. Am I breaking the law? Yes. Do I know I'm breaking the law? Yes, I know I'm breaking the law. But then I find another law within me. It's a law that's even worse than that one. It's because somebody will get up behind me when I'm going 38 and they'll get on my bumper. And so I, 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 take my little, I tap my little thing and I go down to 35. And they get just a little bit closer to my bumper. And then I find another law that's even worse that rises up within me. And I tap it down till it's 30. And I can see that car behind me doing this, back and forth, trying to figure out how can I get around this guy who's doing what? Going the speed limit, obeying the law. And Paul, he, he's saying, I, 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 these were all the good things that I could have brought to the table, but I found within myself no good thing. I... I I forsook everything. I counted everything that was to the potential good as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. I had to come to count them as rubbish. Some translations translated as dung, cow manure. It's refuse. It's that what you want to cast out and... and uh, and, and I want to pose to you that Paul's conversion, while it, it did happen at, uh, on the road to Damascus, God was already at work in Paul's life long before then. Uh, let's go back to Acts chapter 6. You remember uh, Acts 6, 8, Stephen? He's one of the deacons. He is, uh, he is Greek. He's been transplanted into Jerusalem. It's not his hometown. But it says about this Stephen, he, as a deacon, he's full of grace and power and was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 
Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from, and this is where uh, Stephen was from, from Cilicia and Asia, they rose up and disputed with Stephen. So you've got to kind of get the context. Whose synagogue was this? It was the synagogue that Stephen had been a part of before he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Not only was it Stephen's synagogue, guess who else's synagogue it was? Paul. Paul wasn't born in Jerusalem. Where was Paul from? Tarsus, from Asia. And just like you would do if you moved to a foreign country, you would go to a English-speaking church. And so this is the place where Paul most likely attended. And who are they confronting right before Paul? They're confronting Stephen. Now, I don't know what you and I would think if uh, the Lord came along and took one of our... Uh, pardon me, the, the world came along and took one of our deacons... Lee, you're a new deacon, aren't you? And took you out of here while we were having church and then went and stoned you to death. Might be upsetting to us. Might be upsetting to your family. Certainly upsetting right here. This is exactly what happens. This takes place in this moment. And uh, there were men that were instigated secretly to go speak words against Stephen even though there were no accusations that were true uh, that they were bringing against Stephen they still lied told stories and Stephen preaches a wonderful message when he comes to the end of the message um, he uh, is going to see the Lord we'll see that in a minute but what I want you to see is um, uh, here is a man who, uh, in verse 58 of Acts 7, it says, They cast him out, that is Stephen, of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So here's Saul. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. He's a religious man that everybody would love to have to be on your team. Uh, he's the guy you want to be in your club. He's the guy you want to be in your church. And uh, he, he has the garments of Stephen after he has been martyred, put at his feet. His blood is on the garments that are there. And what has is, what is Paul just witnessed? He's just witnessed a man with great confidence who has proclaimed the word of God, has retold the history of Israel. And is told about the promise of the Messiah to come. And he says this Messiah is Jesus. And Jesus was crucified for our sin as the scripture promises in the Old Testament. He was buried. He rose again from the third day. And he was seen by others. And then Stephen looks up and what does he see? He sees the father and the son, and he sees the son standing at the right hand of the father as to welcome him home. And we see such a peace on the face. Paul sees this peaceful look on the face of Stephen, and he's witnessing to all of this. Do you think this came into play on the road to Damascus? Well, I do. Acts chapter 9 says, Now, as he, that is Paul, went on his way and he approached Damascus, suddenly there was a light that shone from heaven around him. That moment with Stephen, was, which was very much like this. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, he wasn't persecuting Jesus, was he? Well, he, he, had, he was persecuting uh, Stephen, but he really wasn't persecuting Jesus, but what did Paul see in Stephen? Remember what Stephen's words were? Uh, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Who said that? Christ from the cross. Who else said that? Stephen, when he's being stoned. And here is Paul coming to realize that, that here was a man who didn't have all the accolades that Paul had, and yet about his life, he had, a, 
He had a joy and a peace and a forgiveness in his heart for those that were abusing him. He saw Christ, as it were, in Stephen. And so he came to realize the reality of his spiritual condition. And that is that his spiritual condition was he was accountable to God and there was no good within Paul. Secondly, there is a, he was narrowly satisfied. Now what do I mean by that? He had come to understand that faith alone in Christ alone is what salvation is all about. His confidence came to be that which was in Jesus Christ. Notice what he, the way he puts it in Philippians 3. And I want to be found where? In Him. Found in Christ. Not found uh, in church. Not found in the synagogue. Not found in the temple. Uh, I don't want to be found being good. I want to be found in Christ Jesus. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know Him. How does one get into Christ? One does not get into Christ by being baptized. We've had uh, a good number of baptisms over the last uh, three months. And uh, that kind of stirs up the interest of some to say, Well, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I've never been baptized. Therefore, I need to be baptized. Well, the better question is, are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, yes. This is a picture of being immersed into Christ. You're, you're put into Him and surrounded by Him. But uh, we're talking about not in our own goodness and following certain rules or saying certain prayers, but we're talking about a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. So how did you become a follower of Christ? Faith in Christ. How do you continue as a follower of Christ? Faith in Christ. Where does your righteousness come from? Christ alone. What about for daily living? Christ alone. What about for tomorrow's trials? Christ alone. I am in Him. I must look unto Him. And so uh, uh, Paul expressed this absolute confidence in Jesus' righteousness. He, was, he came to the place where he saw, I want to be narrowly satisfied with one thing, that I might know Him. It, it was Stephen, back in Acts 7, that says he was full of the Holy Spirit. He gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, there's an exclusivity to the gospel. Now, what do I mean by that? It excludes every other religion. It is one of the great accusations of all other religions against Christianity. Because others will say, as long as you're sincere, as long as you're doing your best, as long as you follow the rules, as long as, as long as, as long as... And yet, when Christ comes on the scene, he simply says, I am the way. There is no other way. If anybody comes in by another way, he's a thief and a robber. And what will happen to him? He says he'll be cast into outer darkness. So the only way in Christ is by faith alone and Christ alone. And the only way you know that you are in Christ is, is His righteousness constantly available to you? Or are you continually kind to strive? And that doesn't mean we're not, we don't grow in Christ as Christians. We must mature in Christ and learn that it's not by our goodness. It is by His grace that He keeps us saved. But, but, but the tendency is for... For us to say, I've, I've got to live up to a certain standard in order to maintain my relationship with Christ. And that's not how it is accomplished. It is in union with Christ that everything else flows. It is in, in our walk with Jesus Christ that His righteousness is available to us. The fullness of the Spirit the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, 
All the character of Christ is available to us in our union with Him. You remember Paul, uh, Paul said in uh, Acts 9.5, Who are you, Lord? Why are you persecuting me? Well, the question was, who are you, Lord? The answer is very clear. It's Jesus. And that's the question. Who's Lord? Who's Lord of your life? Who's Lord of my life? Who's Lord of this world? It's Jesus. And Paul had to come to, to so specifically recognize it wasn't in, in Israel. It wasn't in Judaism. It wasn't in keeping the law. But it was in Christ and Christ alone that a man is wonderfully converted and made to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. So Paul sees that it is Jesus. And then lastly, there's a wonderful simplicity, or it's wonderfully simplistic, how we get into Christ. Jesus is our only Savior. Notice what he says back in Philippians 3. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing, I can't do it on my own. But one thing I do, how many things does he do? One. Here's the simplicity of it. Forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I can't help but think Paul had to be remembering what Stephen saw. When Paul was standing there as a witness, as an unbeliever, he sees Stephen standing there and he's looking up in the heaven and uh, he... Uh, he cries out unto the Lord Jesus and he says, receive my spirit. This was the upward calling for Stephen. Stephen didn't die that day. Uh, Paul thought he put an end to Christianity at that moment. All I got to do to stomp this out is kill these people. And what he found was when Stephen died, it was like you planted seeds in the ground and, and all of a sudden... You had more believers and more believers and more believers. And so Paul is now talking about on a personal level, level about this wonderful simplicity of knowing that Christ is all and in all. And I press on to the prize of the upward call that is mine in Christ Jesus. So in Acts chapter 9 verse 22, after Paul meets Jesus, it says he increased all the more in strength in verse 30, uh, 22 and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So here, here's how it goes, okay? All of a sudden, uh, Paul who had witnessed Stephen being in Christ comes to an encounter with Jesus Christ. He meets him on the road to Damascus. Not everybody has that kind of encounter, right? Your conversion, you may not be able to go back and point to a time. You may not be able to remember a day and an hour and an event. Uh, for Paul, it was very specific. There was an event in Paul's life when he came to recognize that he was outside of Christ and the only way to get into Christ is to come to a spiritual accountability in his life to say I am undone there is no good thing that I have to bring to Christ and if, if there's nothing that I can bring to get into Christ there's nothing that I can bring to stay in Christ that was Paul's understanding of union with Christ is that your understanding of your union with Christ? I am in Him. Well, preacher, doesn't that leave us to be able to do whatever we want to do? No. Because when you are in Christ, something happens. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. It's not like what it was if you are indeed in Christ. Do we grow? Absolutely. Do we, do we sin? Absolutely. And when we do sin, we have an advocate with the righteous. We have a lawyer with the righteous, Jesus Christ, who is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Well, 
Just quickly, how did the Philippian jailer get into Christ? Okay, we saw how Paul got into Christ. How did the Philippian jailer get into Christ? You remember, Paul and Silas are singing at night. They've been in prison. The gates are open. Miraculously, God's going to deliver him. Could have delivered them in a, in a thousand different ways, but he chose to do it this way. The jailer starts. He, his life is over. Paul says to him, don't do any harm to yourself. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. How did the jailer get into Christ? Through faith in Christ. John was particular in the way that he identified it. When John writes about believing in Jesus, he used, it's never used anywhere else in all of Greek. It's only used by, uh, by John and a couple of times by Paul. He, he said, believe into. It's a movement from being outside of Christ to now being inside Christ. I, I know I shared this uh, little song we learned on our trip to Jamaica. I don't know if you remember, will remember it. But when we were in Jamaica, they, they sang a little song that says, I'm wrapped up, I'm tied up. Wrapped up, tangled up in Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about. I am in him. I'm tied up in Jesus. I'm wrapped up in Jesus. I, I, I can't get untangled with Jesus. He's in me and I am in him. Uh, after the service last Sunday, somebody said, Yeah, you talked about being in him, but one of the great verses is found in Colossians 1 when it says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. That is our union with Christ. I am in Him and He is in me. And we are united one with another. So we are spiritually accountable to God. That is, we must come to the place where we count everything good within us as loss in order to gain Christ. That's what it means to be in union with Him. We are guilty and... Uh, and, and there is nothing that we can do about it. God must do something first. Secondly, we are narrowly satisfied. We've got to be narrowly satisfied to say that I might know Him. I don't want to know anything else but Christ and Him crucified. And then thirdly, wonderfully simple. And that is one thing I do. And that is I pursue Christ. You see, we're united with Christ as God makes us aware of our deep sin. We are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And upon re being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we repent of sin. That means we have a change in our mind that results in a change in our life. And by faith, we receive all of Christ and His work on the cross as our salvation. And then we begin a walk of faith where we are living in Him. And out of the abundance of the resources that are in Christ, we get to become His followers. Now I want to ask you, are you in Christ today? Are you in Him? How do you get there? Coming to realize, you can't. Coming to understand, He's already done it. Coming to the place when we say, I recognize that God is up to something in my life and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am in Him for now and for all eternity. He will not let us go. He's got His grip upon you if you are in Christ. And it is out of being in union with Him that God wants you and me as believers to live. So you're going, I know what's going to happen. You're going to go out those doors. And you're going to get on Highway 31. And somebody in front of you is going to go 38 miles an hour. And then they're going to start slowing down. Because they're tired of you being on their bumper. And by the time they get down to 30, you're going to find out, am I really in him? And you will find out when you can simply say, you know what, Lord, this is your great, big, wonderful world.
It's your time. I can trust you. I can walk with you. I can leave all things in your hands. If I get the death sentence upon me, it really won't matter because children of God don't really die. They go home to be with Him in heaven. If my house burns down while I'm at church, you know, I've never seen a trailer hitched to the back end of a hearse. You're not taking it with you. In Him, it'll be okay. My hearing isn't quite what it ought to be. My eyesight certainly is going. And it's okay. Because there's a new heaven coming. And there's a new body. You know, I may not be the smartest person in my class. Talking to you kids. May not be the smartest one in the class. But that's okay. If you know Christ, you know everything that is necessary for life and godliness. In Him. So, Father, thank you for just the simplicity of the reminder of how we get into Christ and that we are kept in Christ because we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And that, Father, it is even when we are bad as Christians that you grace us by putting parameters of discipline around us to draw us back to yourself because you love us and Lord when we are focused on pleasing Christ that I might know him the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own but one that comes through faith in Christ, Lord, there is joy abounding and joy unspeakable. Help us to be there by faith this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand.